0: this sort of quirky co- uh, comedic character and the way she interacts with people is strange at times and she's very british and then on oh, yes. the other side she's very frustrating and very irritating to listen to and sometimes you just well, you just want to say shut up i is. mean I, I get what you're saying but shut up and <laughs> let's do- and one of the characters says that yeah. uh,
1: responsible that is not a word <laughs> right well, we, ma- we made it up well <laughs> unmake make it up <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode seventy-five of the Movie Bite Podcast, a show all about movies, movie reviews, movie news, trailers, and sometimes TV shows. We're recording on Tuesday, January fourteenth, two thousand fourteen. I'm TJ, your host, and joining me today is the PL Travers to my Walt Disney Chad Hopkins.
0: <laughs> hey, hey, TJ. I'm not sure how I feel about that. No, I, I'm, I I'm didn't have to
1: sit down and analyze it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I figured you wouldn't quite know what to do with that, and that's why I did it. I like to keep you on your toes. So how's it going?
0: It is going all right. I am back on uh on track to finish off school this year.
1: Well, that's that's a good thing, right? Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> you suppose you're not super excited <laughs> about being back at school, I take it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll get into the groove, but uh it I'll miss sitting on my butt all day watching TV and playing video games, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. Uh it's <laughs> it was a little challenging to get back into the groove of uh, regular work after uh after spending all that time, you know, gaining weight, munching on uh, who knows what was around uh, at, yep. at the relatives and, and stuff, and you come back yep, and I you're like, the feeling, <laughs> yeah, you come back and you're like, oh my goodness, I I, I have no desire to do any work right now.
0: <laughs> yep, that's that about sums it up. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, Chad, we have a little bit of follow up from last week. We talked about uh, Armand White and uh, his heckling of uh, Steve McQueen when he went up to receive the award um, at the award ceremony um, for 12 Years a Slave. Uh huh. And, uh, which, by the way, is it, Armand White has done nothing but make me want to see the film more, and I already want to see it. I, already, I need to make time for it. It's just pretty hectic in January for me. Come, right. Like we mentioned, coming back from Christmas vacation. But, uh, so so Armand White now is kicked out of the New York uh, Film Critics Circle. They voted, they took a vote, and they said, you know what, we don't need this guy. He's just dead weight on our Film Critics Circle, and so they kicked him out. This is according to Owen Gleiberman over at uh, Entertainment Weekly. This morning, the members of the New York Film Critics Circle, including me, voted to expel Armand White, the former critic of the now-defunct New York Press and currently the editor and movie critic at City Arts from the, from the group. To me, it was a sad moment. Pathetic, really. That Though Armand brought it upon himself. A week ago at Circle's annual awards dinner, White made a rude and uh, I'm, I'm ashamed I don't know this word. Bellicose. Are you familiar with this mm. word?
0: I've heard it before. I don't All know right. if I could sit and define it for you. All right.
1: Dictionary says, uh, de- uh, which by the way, this is why you need OS 10. You can just uh, do a key command when you're hovering over a word, and it'll pop up. Demonstrating aggression and willingness to fight a group of bellicose patriots is an example. Anyway, well, there it is. So white made a rude and bellicose spectacle. hope I'm saying it right of himself, as he did the year before by heckling one of the winners, in this case, Steve McQueen, the director of 12 Years a Slave, a movie that White, in his review, had dismissed as torture porn. Make no mistake, he has every right to dislike 12 Years a Slave, a movie that he considers not a powerful historical docudrama, but a sensationalist feel-bad fantasy that is subtly designed to make white people feel good about their own guilt." End quote. So that's, uh... The, 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 that's what's the the news lately I, I i saw twitter light up i was at work and i kind of you know my well web development job i keep an eye on twitter uh kind of sits over on the side and all of a sudden twitter just sort of lit up about armored white again i'm like oh something happened so i went to entertainment weekly and there it was yeah so i I'm, mean
0: good riddance i suppose <laughs>
1: yeah oh no totally that's that's <laughs> certainly my position right now uh is is you know what if he and especially I read the line he did it last year, and I didn't get a chance to look up what he what exactly he did last year, but apparently he's made a habit of the heckling. So mm. and 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 it's just sad because he's like he's either trying to deceive everybody else or deceive himself, and that he's he's trying to say he didn't actually do the heckling, which is just crazy. I mean, there was too many people who saw it. So right. Uh yeah, we won't spend too much time on it. We talked about it last week, but I just wanted to follow that up. The links will be in the show notes uh, if you want to check that out. And good riddance from the New York uh, uh film critics uh circle. Uh-huh. All right. Uh a couple other uh, news items. Catching Fire toppled Iron Man 3, uh even though, you know, Iron Man 3 was a pretty big movie and, you know, certainly had the run of 2013 longer than Catching Fire did. Uh Catching Fire brought in a lot more money than Iron Man 3. Um, well, I cannot remember. Was Iron Man 3 on your, your list anywhere?
0: Um, no, I don't think
1: it was on my top 10. Okay. Uh, I believe it was on my top 20, wasn't it? Yes. I'm, I'm pretty sure I had two Marvel movies on there. Right. Um, and so Catching Fire brought in $409.4 million and Iron Man 3 brought in $409 million over the course of 2013. So Catching Fire exceeded uh Iron Man 3 which is quite surprising to me actually. I mean cuz Iron Man 3 had a, has a lot of momentum behind it. So Right.
0: When did Hunger Games come out? Sometime in November?
1: Yes, uh let's see. Google is great for this sort of thing. Hunger Games Catching Fire release date. There it is. And it is was November 22nd. So e- toward the end of wow. November even. So yeah, it it it's I mean and it's still in theaters. So Right. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where it ends up, although it's not bringing in, you know, now that it's been out for several weeks, it's, it's you know, not actually gaining a lot through each week now. But uh, that yeah. that's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, it, it's really a sort of sign of the staying power that The Hunger Games has and um, the sign of its fan base, you know? Um, I, sorry. Um, it's, it's just doing really, really well. There's lots of people out there who really like The Hunger Games, and it's obvious that the second one... Uh, only continue to fuel their thirst for more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and you know, I think I'm just trying to think. I think I gave Iron Man three, four stars, uh, and I think I gave Catching Fire four and a half. So my, my opinion uh, is that Catching Fire is the better movie. But it's when you kind of put that in perspective and you step back and you go, okay, uh, Catching Fire follows up on The Hunger Games, which is, you know, made a lot of money, but a much smaller, more modest film. And you've got the whole Marvel machine cranking out these great big films, which don't get me wrong. They're great, but it's interesting development. I don't think I, in my mind, I wasn't expecting Catching Fire to uh, uh, step up above uh, Iron Man 3. So, yeah, uh, interesting bit of news there. Uh, Moving on to some Star Wars news. Disney has appointed a committee uh, to determine uh, Star Wars canon and insert the obvious joke here. I am not a committee. Um <laughs> from uh, Princess Leah. Um so uh the complicated Star Wars canon can be separated into two groups. This by the way is from geek.com. The official main Star Wars canon is composed of the currently six feature films and the animated Clone Wars series, while the expanded universe is composed of everything else. Every weird book you see in the sci fi section of Amazon, every video game and every comic. The canonical Star Wars universe is a mess, and now that Disney owns the franchise, the house that Mouse built was has appointed a committee to sifting through that mess and determining what the official Star Wars canon will be. Uh, to which I say, uh, you know, Disney, Lucasfilm, Star Wars expanded universe, and a committee—what could possibly go wrong? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, really, um, I I don't care either way because I've seen the films, and pretty much that's it. I've I've played a couple of the video games. Um, but I haven't read any of the books. I haven't read any of the comics. So I don't I don't know what the debate would be between uh, be about. But I, I guess if they're forming committee, hopefully they'll please some people out there who do care about that.
1: Well, I think obviously uh, the the six films are going to be in the canon. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that, although how they right. reconcile the difference. I mean, I mean, you've got contradictory information in the first three films from from the uh, the, the prequels. Right. I right. mean, because, you know, Princess Leia talks about how she remembers her mother and she was a very sad and, and and all this stuff. And the indication was always that this was her real mother and not not the adoptive mother. And, and then, you know, she passed she died. And then you, so you've got just little things like that that were just completely contradicted in the prequels. I, I don't know how they're going to write all these wrongs, but there's a committee out there to, to figure it out. So and, right. then, and then, of course, you know, uh you know, there's a lot of Star Wars fans. My wife is one of these who who has every uh, book that was written – not every book, but she's a big fan of the books before the prequels came out. And then she said the books changed and she didn't like them because she never liked the prequels either. Um, right. She especially likes the Timothy Zahn books. So – Uh, you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, I guess this committee is supposed to figure out which of the books is going to be canon and where, and if there are books that differ, you know, from the official canon, what's the, what those are and and where, and maybe the story is canon, but a detail that they, they mentioned is not canon. I I wish them luck, but eh, committees and star Wars and uh, Disney, uh, it sounds like a mess, (laughs) right?
0: I mean, the way I see it, I'm going to be pleased with the film or not pleased with the film and it's not going to have anything to do with what's canonical.
1: I don't think. Uh, no, I agree. I agree. And and I'm just – I'm really being kind of facetious and, and – Oh, right, right. Y- y- but it, it, it is kind of funny. Like, seriously, you need a committee to figure out what's in the canon? I mean, <laughs> I think you guys need to step back and, and, and kind of explore the universe a little bit. <laughs> and, and yeah. I don't know that we needed that, but whatever, you know. It's just it, – it, yeah, it's – I'm just not sure. I know we've talked about this before. I'm just not sure what's going to happen with Star Wars. We, you know, the prequels happened and that was bad. And I suppose on the one hand, you can't go anywhere but up. But on the other hand, I, I'm i concerned <laughs> for, <you> know, <laughs> for what's happening in the Star Wars universe.
0: Yeah. And especially considering this next bit of Star Wars news that we have. Um, yes. Where there's apparently the, the new... The first film, Episode Seven, is going to focus around the original trio from the original film. So that's uh, Han, Luke, and Leia. And we should be clear;
1: um, these are still rumors, but but right. you know, a lot of people are talking about it. And and where there's smoke, there's fire.
0: Right. And so, um, the their offspring would be the focus of the next two films in the trilogy. And uh, so, what do you think of this, TJ?
1: Well, you know, I mean, because kind of the thing that's going on here is Michael Arndt was brought in to write the script, and he left the project under strange circumstances. I mean, we're not really sure, like, was he fired off the project? Did he walk away in disgust? Did they walk away amicably? I I don't know all the details for that, but he walked away from the project, and, you know, rumors indicate now that J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasten, who have taken over— the scriptwriting uh, duties are now, um, you know, writing the, the the story to focus more on Luke, Han, and Leia, which which was not the original intent of Michael Arndt. He was going to focus on the offspring of, of you know of, of Han and Leia, I believe, or, or at least that was the rumor. I don't know. I, I'm I could go either way on that, but I think I'm happy with the idea of of, of another Luke, Han, and Leia film. I mean, obviously, I think that's what we all want.
0: Right,
1: I, you know, when the prequels came out, it was like, and I was much younger at the time, but it's like, what? Where are my favorite characters? I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know that that was kind of I think the feeling, and and I think that the prequels did get better. E- each film was better than the last, but they never ever attained to the to the level that that we wanted from Star Wars that we had expected. Right. We'd come to expect from Star Wars. Right, I'm. I'm
0: looking forward to having a sort of maybe a sort of send off for the characters. I mean, obviously we got, we got that in episode six, but since we are getting more, uh, I think it's great that we're having a film or might have a film, I should say, uh, that does focus on them before moving on. So we, we get to please the fanboys and those who grew up with these films and then we can move on to what's new.
1: Yeah. And I I think like, um, I think one of the things that was missing from, from that, that's missing from any prequel, really. Anytime a prequel is made, you can't really do this very well because there's no way to do it. But you have the opportunity here, I think, especially now. Uh, what is it? How long has it been since the last Star Wars uh, episode? Episode six was made. Is that like? Almost, uh, that was mid '80s. Yeah. Or, so it, it yeah. Was, let's say you know it's, it's like thirty years, right? Uh huh. And so I think we have the opportunity here for there to be a handoff where you get to see the characters and they get a, a last hurrah and we may even see them again. But this is this to me is the opportunity to do a handing over of the reins to the younger generation that, you know, when you do the prequels, when we brought in, you know, Anakin and, and, and Padme, there just wasn't that opportunity because you're starting before all that. So you can't do like a handoff or a it's right. just weird. Right. And this uh-huh. I think maybe will give us that opportunity. We'll get to see our beloved characters and we'll get to establish new ones, which will give us a little bit more of a, a liking a disposition to like them, I think maybe. So Right. And and we you know, I, I never had a disposition to like the prequel characters, which, you know, there's something to be said for making me like characters on, on their own. They just kind of failed to do that in the prequels.
0: Right. And uh just for the record, Return of the Jedi, episode six, came out in eighty three.
1: Eighty three. All right.
0: So 31, 30, 32 years by the time it comes out.
1: Yeah, thirty-two. So thirty-one years this year. Uh, what 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 time of the year did that come out? Do you have that in front of you?
0: May.
1: May. Okay, so we're we're coming up on thirty-one years. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, it's almost as old as I am. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see what other rumors were were packed in here. Um, All right. So. Uh, there's rumors about uh, Michael Fassbender and uh, Hugo Weaving being considered for roles um, in, in the new Star Wars film. So that, that's interesting. I mean, both good actors for sure. Right. Um, I like
0: both of them. I wouldn't mind that.
1: Yeah. Now, were you a Breaking Bad fan?
0: I am a Breaking Bad fan. You
1: are. Even though it's off the air, you are. not in the past tense. It's it's present tense. It must always be present tense. Yes. Okay. So Breaking Bad's Jesse Plemons, whoever that is, I'm sure you know. I have not seen the show yet uh is up for a major role in the film uh that's a rumor of course uh could he be the son of luke skywalker is the question and you know really interesting that hugo weaving according to two sources met for uh met for the part to of of play uh boy this is a, I, I can't believe i linked to this It's terribly written uh of an imperial commander uh and and the, the opinion of this article is perfect casting in my honest opinion and the final rumor uh, might be the craziest of all is that Lucasfilm is now looking for an actress to play potentially Obi-Wan's daughter or granddaughter. What? I uh, mean, uh, he was a member of the Jedi Order, which, you know, despite the fact that I hate this aspect, the Jedi Order, according to canon, is uh supposed to be celibate. So what is what's up with that? Yeah. Uh Eyebrow raise? Yeah, it's like, hmm. <laughs> okay. So those are those are the Star Wars rumors, and that, those will all be linked up in the show notes if you want to catch up with more of those. Uh show notes for this episode will be at moviebite.com slash MB Podcast slash seventy five is where you will find those notes. They'll be kinda under the under the of the audio player there. All right, one one thing I just wanted to uh mention Uh, and I'm going to link this up on the site tomorrow. So by the time you're hearing this, you'll also see it on the site and I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Gravity is returning to theaters this weekend. If you didn't get a chance to catch this in the theaters, uh, shame on you, shame on you. (laughs) Best film of the year for shame. Get out there and see it. (laughs) Uh, it, You'll get
0: to take your wife uh, to go see it.
1: I asked her if she wanted to go and she said, no, not really. I I just don't think she's, I I don't think she would appreciate it, honestly. But, well fine yeah i know right <laughs> it's just like come on share share the experience with me dear but oh yeah. i might take her to see it anyway but we'll see uh, it's not like she's opposed to it she's just like eh, you know eh, Never. whatever i'd kind of like to see it again because i'm it, it may be the last chance i get to ever see it in the theater and and i definitely right. recommend the imax um I, it, it's it's such a great film my number one yeah. film as you might recall just just mentioning <laughs> Alright, shall we move on to Saving Mr. Banks?
0: We shall. Winds in the east. Mist coming in. Like something is brewing. About
1: to begin. Ladies and gentlemen, we are beginning our descent into Los Angeles. Welcome, Mrs. P. L. Travers, to the City of Angels. It smells like... Jasmine. Chlorine. And sweat. (laughs)
0: Introducing the creator of our beloved Mary. Poppins. Never ever just Mary. Now
1: where is Mr. Disney? She's here. Well, Pamela Travers, you can't imagine how excited I am to finally meet you. Would you mind? My name is Mrs. Travers, Mr. Disney. Oh Walt, now you gotta call me Walt. All right, so Saving Mr. Banks opened in theaters on December the thirteenth, two thousand thirteen. To a, uh, had a budget of thirty five million, and opening weekend is four hundred and thirteen thousand three hundred seventy three dollars. But that was a limited opening. It is now up to nine million three hundred forty four thousand worldwide. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, let me rephrase that. I'm sorry, I misread the stats. It's not, it, then it's wide opening was nine million three hundred forty four thousand. The total worldwide gross is seventy eight million. So. Uh you know, your your general uh figures say that it should be twice it should make twice what they spent on it in production in order for it to break even. So thirty-five times two is seventy, so they're over that now. So that's good. It's a profitable film. Uh yep. it is critically acclaimed on uh, Rotten Tomatoes as aggressively likable and sentimental to a fault. Saving Mr. Banks pays tribute to the Disney legacy with excellent performances and sweet, high-spirited charm. Uh, directed by John Lee Hancock, written by Kelly Marcel and Sue Smith, starring Emma Thompson, Tom Hanks, Annie Rose Buckley, Colin Farrell, Ruth Wilson, Paul Giamatti, and others. Music by Thomas Newman. What do you know about Thomas Newman? Um, he scored
0: Finding Nemo and Tom, uh, Wally for Pixar, and he most recently got an Oscar nomination for a score to Skyfall last year.
1: Yeah, I, I was particularly happy with his uh, his really light piano rendition of Chim Chimney. I mean, that was just really striking yeah. music. I was very happy with that. The, the rest of the music was fine, but that that it was basically that like the theme, uh, you know, which makes sense. But it was it was a a well done kind of changing of the theme with that piano, uh, you know, just in really light, simple piano music behind there. Nothing nothing else really enhancing it. Uh, really, yeah. really enjoyed it.
0: Me too. I'll mention, I'll talk more about it later. Okay. Yes.
1: So why don't you tell us uh, the story here about this film? Okay.
0: When Walt Disney's daughters begged him to make a movie of their favorite book, P.L. Travers, Mary Poppins, he made them a promise, one that he didn't realize would take 20 years to keep in his quest to obtain the rights. Walt comes up against a curmudgeonly uncompromising writer who has absolutely no intention of letting her beloved magical nanny get mauled by the Hollywood machine. But as the book stopped selling and money grows short, Travers reluctantly agrees to go to Los Angeles to hear Disney's plans for the adaptation. For those two short weeks in 1961, Walt Disney pulls out all the stops. Armed with imaginative storyboards and chirpy songs from the talented Sherman brothers, Walt launches an all-out onslaught on P.L. Travers, but the prickly author doesn't budge. He soon begins to watch helplessly as Travers becomes increasingly immovable, and the rights begin to move further away from his grasp. It is only when he reaches into his own childhood that Walt discovers the truth about the ghosts that haunt her, and together they set Mary Poppins free to ultimately make one of the most endearing films in cinematic history.
1: All right, well, let's let's start here, Chad, before we talk about, really talk about Saving Mr. Banks. We have to talk about Mary Poppins, don't we?
0: Uh, yeah, that seems right.
1: Have you seen the film
0: recently? Recently? No, unfortunately.
1: You mean you, didn't, really... you didn't watch it before you went and saw Saving Mr. Banks?
0: I wanted to. I never got around to it. I ended up going with my family uh to go catch it and I just never got the chance to go. I don't understand uh, wh- you, man.
1: I, I know. It's <laughs> unlike me. It is. It's it's awful. What what what's wrong with you? <laughs> uh I'm sorry. <laughs> uh well, I I suppose I can I can forgive you somehow. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So just tell me in general how you feel about the film Mary Poppins.
0: You know, I I like it. Um like I said, I haven't seen it any time recently, but I, I do have fond memories of watching it as a child, and uh, the songs are nice. I like singing. Uh, I, I really like Chim Chim uh, Chim, Chim Chim Chiri. Sure, uh, of course. In particular. It's it's a um,
1: delightful tune, no doubt.
0: Yeah, and then you have songs like Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. And, right. It's, I mean, that's fun, too. It's part it, of it, our culture. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean... I don't have bad memories with it. I skipped Feed the Birds as a kid, but I appreciate Uh, that song a lot more now. uh, Um, (laughs) uh, I don't know. I mean, I I don't have any bad feelings toward it. Um, I I know you feel a little bit differently though, right?
1: I do. I do. Um, I've seen this film probably no less than 100,000 times, (laughs) but that was when I was very young. I mean, the last time I saw it, uh, before very recently was probably when I was around eight or nine years old and I had, I had grown to really dislike the film. And <laughs> and, and I, I mean, I, I think that it was just the, the the stirrings of the movie critic in me even at the time, not even being able to place what it was that I didn't like because there are many other films that I've watched a hundred thousand times and didn't feel bad uh, and didn't feel like I hated them. Um, right. So I think it was the stirrings of the film critic. in me I like to think that and then but but then, you know, so uh, eight or nine years old and now I'm I'm thirty-one, uh soon to be thirty-two in a couple of days. Uh, and I'm uh I, I said, well, okay, before I go see Saving Mr. Banks, I need to watch Mary Poppins again. Just just to 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 know, do is the film any good or not? What what is my feelings on the film? Trying to account for the fact that it was made in a different era and and, and giving it the benefit of the doubt and and really sitting down with an open mind to watch this film. And I came away from it and, and and really at first even I was like oh yeah you know this is fun this is delightful and then as the film goes on you start getting more and more irritated about I did about the uh, just the silliness and, and straying from the story and dancing with penguins when there's story to be told. And and, and just, you know, they I know they're in the chalk painting and whatever, and the kids technically are like in the same painting with them. But the kids wander off for, you know, 15 minutes while they're dancing with the penguins. And the, the, <laughs> and it's, it's Mary Poppins and Bert. And why do we even care that there's a hint of a love story with Mary Poppins and Bert? And I don't even care what what is this i don't i don't know and and uh you, you know i i think that it's 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 just too goofy it, the the story is not coherent uh, the point that the story is trying to make is not driven home uh and you know when you get to the end you don't buy the transition that mr banks makes uh from being the uh you, you know first of all you don't buy his rigid bank, banker whatever act that he's putting on and you don't buy it when he transitions out because it's just such a sudden you know Instant instantaneous 180, it, it, like there's no transition there. Uh There's no real drama. Um I, I don't know. I, I just, you know, <laughs> I, it, the film feels like trappings around which Dick Van Dyke and Julie Andrews can can uh, act. Right. Um, I mean,
0: I, I can agree with you. I, I mean, I see where you're coming from from all that. I, since I haven't seen I think I the last time I completely watched the film from beginning to end was I was probably around eight or nine years old as well um i watched maybe half of it a couple years ago um so i don't remember a lot of the story i i know the gist of it but for all i know if i sat down and watched it tonight after we were done talking i might have a lot of the same feelings um (laughs) especially now that i've seen uh saving mr banks and sort of the issues (laughs) that have come about um i don't know but what sticks out in my mind are all the songs and i really enjoy all the songs but maybe in context I would feel the same way as you
1: well right I mean like I described it uh, in my review as at times utterly delightful and yet completely and woefully misguided and annoying
0: <laughs> uh, you know I don't I don't think you can describe a film. Uh, with Julie Andrews in it at least part of it has to be utterly delightful
1: oh sure and and, and it's not I mean in general I don't like musicals but I love the sound of music and it's a musical so it's not that I can't like musicals it's just I typically don't so I don't think it's the musical thing that's really annoying me I think it's the stupid you know lack of good sense in the direction of storytelling lack of good judgment you know throwing (laughs) uh, 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 All right. (laughs) <laughs> anyway let suffice it to say that i i think that i would have enjoyed saving mr banks more if i actually liked the film and was glad that disney got the rights to destroy the to, I'm, I'm sorry to make the the the, the story <laughs> and i say that not knowing that i don't have any familiarity with the original story but yeah. i will say that throughout the course of the film p.l travers uh Her issues with what Disney wanted to do with the film, though she's coming from a very kind of poor attitude, kind of dour and sour and, uh, you know, far reaching in her her things. Yet I think that I agree with the underlying things, the issues that she had with what Disney wanted to do to the story. Right. So, well, I I think
0: um, I mean, I'm not a fiction writer, but I'm a writer and I know how I feel about my writing. Yeah. And so I can sort of step into her shoes and think, you know. If this was my baby, I, I wouldn't want them doing all this crap to it either. I, I'd want it the way I, I'd want it the way I want it and right. end a story. Um, yeah, I but, mean, I, uh, I, Obviously, they can't get that all the time unless uh, you write the script yourself, direct the film yourself, and then it's what you want to do. Uh, but that doesn't happen very often.
1: Yeah, for sure, and, and I, I know exactly what you mean as far as the writing goes. So I can definitely understand what you know where P. L. Travers was coming from on that. Because even when I send over a review to you or to Joe. Or to one of any of my other friends to to proofread for me, and they come back with changes. <laughs> There's something in me that goes, "That's not exactly what I had in mind," <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I definitely get that as far as from the writer's aspect. I just think that for sure, P.L. Travers was way over the top with this. I mean, it was just a little weird. Um, so anyway, uh, that th- 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 this kind of thing sums up how I feel about Mary Poppins the film, about which Saving Mr. Banks is about making. So. Right. Um, so we, I think we can move on now and talk about our thoughts of, um, uh, of, of saving Mr. Banks in general. And I think you have some general thoughts you want to, you want to talk about here.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll just go ahead and say the, the film is pretty delightful throughout. I think, uh, even, I mean, of course it has its really dramatic de- sort of depressing moments, but, uh, the overarching story and the characterization, um, it's just really charming, especially Emma Thompson's character, which I'll talk about a little bit more in a minute but uh I really enjoyed the film overall and um I know there's lots of allegations about how historically inaccurate this film is, and you know we we've talked about this before with uh captain phillips we we said that um it doesn't matter in in a sense in a I sense. Mean, in, in one sense it does i mean you want people knowing the truth so that Uh, 50 years from now they're not using uh, an inaccurate film as history you know right right um but in another sense film is an art medium and its purpose is to entertain or to inform um and this film certainly entertains whether and it informs to a certain extent i think a lot of the majority of the film could be seen as historic historically accurate but uh but my bottom line is I didn't really factor in historical accuracy, one, because I, I don't know all the facts for sure, but two, because the film itself enjoyed me. I enjoyed it.
1: say, yes, it enjoyed it. There you. it is. That, that's, an inter- that's an interesting <laughs> phrasing. So the film enjoyed you. I didn't realize yeah. the film's personality was – no, okay. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it entertained
0: me. That, that's where it went. Other E-word.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I will say, too, I, I, you know, I gave the film a high rating. I did enjoy the film. Um, I'm it, even though I don't really care for um, Mary Poppins and I'll probably never watch it again now. Um, if not, not if I can help it. Uh, yeah, I did enjoy this film. I I, I enjoy it. I mean, there's a level to which you assume that there is at least a uh, a modicum—is that the word I'm looking for—of of of historical accuracy. You know, it's based on a true story, even if it's not completely accurate in everything that it tells. Um, I, I do think that the the film. I think it it was it, it was fairly. Um, and, and and this is you, you know it's, it's almost like a PR piece for Disney. I mean. Oh, for sure. You, you know, it. I, I feel like I I would have trusted it more had another company made it. And, yeah. And, you know, but but then they probably wouldn't have been able to to make it because of the rights issues. But but Disney right. made this film, and I feel like they probably whitewashed Disney a little bit. Even though if even though in the story it, it's hinted at, like yeah, I think Walt Disney was a little bit shady in, in how he, <laughs> de- he dealt with with P. L. Travers. I mean, there's no doubt he was a shrewd businessman, but you, you kind of. You think about Disney as this pure kind of a guy, right? I mean he right. he made Mickey mouse for crying out loud. I right. mean he built the happiest place on earth. Right, sure. He you know, he built Disneyland and he was in the process of building Disney World when he uh passed away. So right. um and and what's wrong with those places? Nothing. You know. It's <laughs> just, I wanna go there again someday. Um right. and and so you, you don't think of of at least I never tend to think of Walt Disney as as this uh shrewd businessman, shady dealing kind of guy. And I think they tried to gloss over it in the film, but I think it's still there. Like, you know, he told right. he told Travers, "No, we're not going to put any animation in that film." And then she storms out because they're animating penguins into the thing. Right. Um, and and that's the sort of thing. It's like, well, hmm. That's interesting. And I I guess that gives me a little bit of hope that there's some historical accuracy there. I'm I'm rambling a little bit so that that, (laughs) I mean, that's that's kind of how I feel like like is it you kind of wonder, is it accurate? How accurate is it? You know, it's based on some accuracy for sure. Oh, and and of course, they played that that real you stayed through the credits, right? Oh, yeah. 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 And they played that reel of of uh, PL Travers, you know, in those sessions where she insisted on the recording of of, of the sessions and. Emma Thompson was uncanny in capturing that, you know, in, right. in, I mean, in lucky, many ways.
0: Lucky for us, she was so uh, insistent upon that because that's a really cool archival thing uh, for for our perspective. It, it, it really gave us uh, uh, a good glimpse into how much detail went into Emma Thompson's performance here.
1: Yeah, I'm looking for the link. Here we go. I actually found a big old reel of it on uh, YouTube. Uh, Pl Travers audio 1961 meetings in LA with Disney filmmakers. I'm going to put that. Let me grab the link. I'm going to put that in the show notes because it's pretty cool. Um, cool. Here, I'll just put it right here so I'll remember to put it in. Um, yeah. So I mean, I mean, yeah. It, it's a lot. It was right. a lot of fun. And and again, I I really enjoyed this film, Chad. I really did. And and it's yeah. surprising how much I hated Mary Poppins on the whole, and how much I enjoyed this film. And part of it is seeing, I mean, because I think one of the delightful aspects of this film was kind of the flashbacks to uh, to uh, Travers' childhood and when she was right. not P.L. Travers. Right. Um, Colin Farrell did a wonderful job with that. Uh, you know, you don't want to hate the guy, right? But yet, mm, man, wow, he, he kind of messed up her life.
0: Yeah, it, um, the flashbacks really make it sort of difficult for us to fault him because – On one hand, he's a sloppy drunkard who's uh, ruining his life, throwing it down the tube. But on the other hand, his love for his daughters is very apparent, and um, we want to root for him as a father, but then he's a drunk, and he, I don't know, it's it's a difficult situation, and he really plays that and brings that out very well.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: I've never seen Colin Farrell in anything else, I don't think. Oh, really? Um, So this was my first experience with him.
1: Colin ferrell i gotta find some films for you to see with carl colin Farrell here there's one in particular that i'm thinking of uh, the recruit you must see the recruit uh okay this is a sidetrack but it's a good one um he's in some really good films uh as you can see he's a great actor um right. i liked him in total recall though a lot of people did not like the remake of total recall uh, um, oh I, there
0: he is minority report yes you, oh you told me to watch that
1: yeah, yeah yeah for sure uh he's in minority report he's very good Um, let's see what else he's in. Uh, okay.
0: I've seen daredevil, which he's apparently in. I I don't have good memories of that film, but I have not seen uh, it.
1: Um, just, just making sure there's no other films. Make sure you see the recruit. Uh, why am I not seeing that here? Am I thinking of a different actor? No, there it is. There it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The recruit. Um, and that has a couple of, of good actors. It has Al Pacino, Colin Farrell, Bridget. I always mess, mess this girl's name up. Bridget Moynihan. Um, mm. yeah, those are, I mean, uh, Moynihan was in, uh, I robot. Oh, okay. Yeah. So a little sidetrack, but, uh, hopefully our, our, our listeners can, uh, benefit from the film recommendations as well. The recruit is an amazing film. Uh and I, I don't hear anybody else ever talking about it and I love it to death.
0: I'll add it to the list.
1: Please do. I want to hear, I want to hear your must
0: watch movie byte
1: list. I want to hear your keyboard clacking right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh, there's random characters appearing in the show notes. Look at that. Uh, caught. <laughs> All right. So l- l- let's dive in and talk about the things that we liked about this film. Uh, the-, the-, the obvious thing is Emma Thompson. She was right. fantastic.
0: I mean, she's obviously the standout performance from this film. Um, anybody who says anything about this film, I don't think has anything to say to Emma Thompson's discredit uh, because, I mean, she-, she does a really good job of keeping this playful line between this sort of quirky co- uh, comedic character and the way she interacts with people is strange at times and she's very british and then on oh, yes. the other side she's very frustrating and very irritating to listen to and sometimes you just well, you just want to say shut up i mean is- I, I get what you're saying but shut
1: up and let's do-, and one of the characters says that yeah. uh, responsible that is not a word <laughs>
0: right well, we, ma- we made
1: it up well, unmake it up.
0: <laughs> uh, so she, she really captures both sides of that character without going too far in any direction. And on the flip side of that, she really brings out the moments of drama when she uh, when she is remembering her childhood and uh, toward the end or at the end of the film, when she's watching the premiere of the film in the theater, and she's reacting very strongly to um, the memories that are brought up by watching the film. Um, they're, they're almost kind of heartbreaking. She, she really does a great job of drawing us in emotionally and, yeah. uh- Keeping us there.
1: Well, I mean, she really does have that tragic backstory, right? I mean, it's really kind of, in my opinion, ruined her life, basically. (laughs) You know, and even though that's where she draws her inspiration for some things, uh, it it really did kind of mess her up dramatically. And and you do, by the end of the film, even though you kind of kind of love her and kind of hate her, you do understand like where she's coming from and what's happened. That the film does a really good job with that. Emma Thompson, you know, frankly, uh, you know, does a really good job of of bringing that out and 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 making us feel that heartbreak for her. In and in, in it's really hard, nuance to capture in an, in a role that's kind of goofy, you know,
0: right. So and um, you know, I, I don't have a lot of experience with Emma Thompson films. I don't think, I, of I've, course, I've seen her in the Harry Potter films, right. And um, she's
1: and that's the thing; like, she's there is not a hint of Sybil Trelaw- Trelawney here.
0: No, not at all.
1: Or, or for that matter, Agent O from Men in Black Three. Uh, let's see, what else have I seen her in? She was in
0: Brave. She she voiced the Queen in Brave.
1: Okay, uh, I haven't seen Brave because I never could bring myself to see it. I heard it was uh, it would ruin your 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 love for Pixar, and I didn't want to do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. Okay, I'm gonna see it at some point. It's just there's a lot of movies on my list. It, it is hard to keep up with movies and keep up a day job and keep up with movie by. It is really hard. Yeah. Just let me, let me I can understand that. <laughs> <laughs> uh you know, obviously we've already talked about this. Colin Farrell and in his uh his performance was just amazing. Just amazing. Um and, and again, I mean, I've never disliked Colin Farrell on anything I've ever seen him in. So Cool. Yeah.
0: Um I liked Paul Giamatti. I don't know if his character was actually like a real person, but uh yeah, I don't know. the way the way he was brought into the story, and he you know, uh for those listening, he's uh he's um Travers cab driver or car driver who takes her between the hotel and the studios and um they sort of get this bonded relationship and um his daughter is disabled if i remember correctly forgive me it's been a few weeks since i've seen the film um but they they sort of their relationship grows from their first meeting when she tells him la smells of chlorine and sweat um to their departure chlorine you, know, you got to put the
1: emphasis, emphasis <laughs> in the right places. So,
0: <laughs> <Blaurine>. <laughs> right? And uh, so I, I really liked his character. It's uh, they've got a sweet little relationship, and they've got this one scene where they're sort of digging in the ground together. It's quirky, yeah. but it, it works really well. Oh yeah, for sure. And then um, I liked Bradley Whitford as Don DeGrady, uh, the co-writer of the film. Um, just his sort of flabbergasted he, he was real flustered he played oh, yes played that very very well yes he did and then um annie rose buckley who isn't an actress i'm familiar with i don't think she even has like a wikipedia page so she's pretty new but she played um young pl Chabbers or ginty uh ginty as her father called her and she did a great job in those flashbacks
1: oh yes so? oh absolutely um you know i wasn't i i you know if, if you're if you're comparing it on a level, right? I, it, I wasn't as impressed with her performance as say uh uh Anna Sophia something or Annie whatever it was, the book thief. Um why am I Uh
0: Sophia Elise.
1: So as I say, there's some some Sophia was in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um I wasn't as impressed with uh Annie Rose Buckley as much as, as uh Sophia and Elise. But she would she did a pretty good job. I mean, I, I, I certainly um I certainly had a lot of respect for what she was doing as Ginty. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Obviously, I think, though, the, the standout performance here, kind of sneak, sneak in and steal the show performance as Tom Hanks, as Walt Disney. Although I will say that both Emma Thompson and Tom Hanks are too young. They, they appear to be yeah. too young. I mean I, I, I did a lot of – before I wrote my review, just out of curiosity, I was looking up a lot of things. Uh, you know, I, I watched some videos of Disney talking about Disney World and different things on YouTube and looked up pictures of, of both of them, and they both feel too young. Uh, Emma Thompson feels too young and Tom Hanks feels too young, even though they're not that much younger in terms of age. I don't know if it's our current uh, modern-day medicine is progressed enough, and they probably as actors have had a lot more – I don't know if you know, if Emma Thompson had plastic surgery or not, I really have no idea. But she just or appeared or, or it's just too much makeup, whatever. She just appeared to be too young to play the role. Uh, so I, I I did have a little bit of an issue with that, historically speaking. But but, you know, on the other hand, it's like, well, who else would you get to play these characters? Because they both did a standout job. Tom Hanks as Walt Disney wasn't was perfect. He captured the yeah. mannerisms that you associate with Walt Disney, if you've ever seen him in anything, you know, seen any of the stuff that he's presented. Um, and, you know, the looks were pretty good. I mean, it just worked really well. So, yeah, yeah, I, I guess for, you can't fault for, him for the for age. For me, I, I liked
0: Tom Hanks, uh, and I did admire his performance. But uh, just a brief dislike, uh, sort of, it, I felt like I was watching Tom Hanks playing Walt Disney. I didn't feel like I was watching really? Walt Disney. Yeah, it. it I, I can't really pinpoint it. Um, I think part of it might have just been the looks. He, he looks like walt disney but he doesn't look just like on spot walt disney and of course um emma thompson doesn't look just like p.l travers but i she's not a public figure who i've seen over the years countless times Um, yeah
1: i suppose i didn't get that like i almost instantly he just became walt disney for the duration of the film for me it it worked for me
0: right I, i don't know it i i wrote that uh i don't think it's any fault of his own i don't i don't think um it's because he didn't do a good enough job preparing for the role because I think he did a very good job of preparing for the role. Um, He got a lot of good details right. Uh, The one that I really noticed was the cough that he
1: had periodically throughout the film Yeah.
0: Um, because Walt Disney died of lung cancer in 1966 uh, just a few years later. He
1: couldn't kick that smoking habit.
0: Right. Um, And so he did get really – Little details like that, right? And like I said, I can't really pinpoint what it was, but I did not feel like I was watching Walt Disney. I felt like I was watching Tom Hanks playing a really good Walt Disney.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, I thought he did an amazing job. I mean, even capturing the nuance of the way Walt Disney spoke, you know, where he would, he would emphasize certain syllables in strange ways, right? I mean... Uh-huh. If you've ever watched any uh, you know I should I should find that the one video particularly and, p- and put it in the show notes I'm gonna make a note to go find it and
0: yeah and maybe it is because I'm not familiar enough with Walt Disney and really for me Walt Disney's just a face um, in many respects and so if I did watch more of his videos and uh, see some archive recordings of how he spoke and listening to that and, uh, then maybe I could get a better appreciation and sort of absorb that into the film a little bit more but yes. as my knowledge currently stands that's the way i i saw it
1: yeah well um you want to talk about uh, oh it, actually you, you did promise that you would talk more about the score and i think we're at that point so before we move on to the dislikes let's talk about the uh, the score from thomas newman and that's okay, kind of um, your department
0: yes i i downloaded the score a couple weeks before the film came out um and listening through it i was a little disappointed to be honest um it sounds like finding nemo and it sounds like The Help. Um, which is good music don 't get me wrong it 's great listening, but um, it it just felt like more of the same, um, which is a complaint that I have against filmmakers. I used to have a big complaint about that with Hans Zimmer, but he 's gotten a lot better, and that is one of my favorites but um, so that was my initial thought going in, but as um, film scores are made to accompany films, and so I right. sort of withheld judgment until I saw the film. And it works a lot better in the context of the film, especially uh, in respect to the flashbacks. Uh, Thomas Newman does a really good job of being a little more, bit more soft-spoken than other composers, and he really brings out the emotion. And um, right, that I, works I, to the film's credit here.
1: Yeah, I mean I can definitely see that with the uh, kind of the soft-spoken piano ballad melody that, that he does of Chim Chimney. I mean that's, that's right. I think probably exactly what you're talking about with that soft-spoken score. Right. Um, I, you know, it's been several years, I'd say it's been like three or four years since I've seen Finding Nemo. So I didn't get the Finding Nemo thing. And I don't have uh, Finding Nemo soundtrack in my iTunes library. So I just haven't heard it in a while. So I didn't get that. Um, but I'm not I'm not denying that it might be true. But I think you're right. It, you know, very rarely will I listen to a score before the film comes out. The big exception uh, to that in recent memory is uh, the Dark Knight Rises soundtrack which i uh-huh. absolutely loved and did not detract i don't think from my enjoyment of the film although i didn't feel like the film lived up to the soundtrack <laughs> but <laughs> but uh yeah i mean cuz that that's that's one of my favorite soundtracks is the dark knight rises right um in any event uh yeah i, I really you know the i didn't notice more or less the music I, I think it worked for the for the film except for that chim chimney uh piano rendition so i i was happy with it i didn't didn't have any dislikes of it for sure
0: Yeah. uh, And like I said, I I came out it came out positively. I really enjoyed it in the context of the film, which is what it's made for. So kudos to Mr. Newman.
1: Right. Good. All right. Well, we should uh, before we sign off, we should talk about anything we didn't like about the film.
0: Um, I already mentioned my slight uh, disappointment with Tom Hanks as Walt Disney, though it wasn't his fault. It's just some weird quirk. I don't know. Um, my other slightly petty complaint is, uh, the portrayal of the Sherman brothers. Admittedly, I'm not very familiar with the way they are in real life either or the way they talk, but, um, they are very prolific and they just seemed a little strange to me. I don't know. I thought the actors did okay. Um, they just weren't exactly what I had in mind and I can't really tell you what I did have in mind. So, um, maybe it, if they had been better singers in the slightest, it almost felt like they were not shouting because that's a little uh, too far. But uh, they weren't eloquent singers in any sense. But um, well,
1: I, I actually figured that was probably true to life because your composers uh, that compose music don't are not always great singers. In fact, I I know a guy who composes music who wishes he could sing, and he would just, he just <laughs> like his voice just doesn't work the way he wants it to. And so that's why he composes instrumental music instead. Right. That, that's a fair point. Um,
0: so. um, um, I think part of this though, I have to admit, um, BJ Novak who played one of the brothers, I can't really tell you which one at this point. Um, I'd have to look it up. Um, but BJ Novak was a character or played a character in the office television series. Um, and I did not like his character even in the slightest. And so I think part of that might be rubbing off, uh, mm unfortunately i enjoyed him uh, he
1: played bob by the way robert sherman
0: yes okay there he is um so that was slightly slightly petty um but i can't really help it but I, i did i think they did a good job and uh just speaking of the sherman brothers and the score real briefly um if you buy the soundtrack get the deluxe edition this is for everybody out there get the deluxe edition because you get original archive recordings of uh the Sherman brothers singing demos of the songs um, from the original Mary Poppins film. And you also get songs from the film sung by Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke. So it's, it's a pretty cool, cool buy.
1: All right. I'm looking it up on iTunes. Now, here we go. Saving Mr. Banks, original motion picture soundtrack. Deluxe edition is 1599. So a bit more than the 9.99 for the 9.99 for the standard. Um, all right, I'm copying the link and pasting into the show notes right now. There's the deluxe edition. And let me grab the link just for our listeners for the uh standard as well, although you're recommending the they spend a little more money and get the yeah. the other.
0: If they're interested in that sort of thing, I mean, I I think the idea of demo recordings is really cool, but
1: uh yeah, no, it That's sounds, just me. It sounds fun for sure. Yeah. Well, for me my big dislike Uh, And I've touched on it briefly. I'll just mention it again is really the fact that that Disney put this film out and therefore it feels a bit like a PR piece for Disney. I feel like they whitewashed And and I'm going by hearsay a little bit on this, but I've heard from from people that if you really if they really shown the real PL Travers, we would not have liked her in the slightest. Uh-huh. I don't know how I don't know how true that is, because I, I felt the same way about the recordings I was hearing that, that Disney chose to share in the credits anyway. Uh, like, she's just uh, quirky, uh, she's trying to maintain control of her thing. Right. But yet uh-huh. there's this, uh, this nagging thing at me like, well, hmm, I wonder how much truth there is to that. But, you know, you know, they addressed it in the film where Walt Disney himself said he sat down. I don't remember which brother it was, but one of the Sherman brothers, he sat down. And said, uh, you know, and, and one of the Sherman brothers says to him, she's not going to give you the rights, is she? And he's uh-huh. like, no, no, she's not. And uh, so he, he talks about, but you know, I don't blame her. I've, I've fought this battle from her side before. When I was, you know, such and such an age, you know, such and such a big wig guy wanted the mouse, and I couldn't part with the mouse. It would have killed me. The mouse is family. So I understand what she's going through, you know. So th- there was that acknowledgement of that, which right. was fun. But But I still feel like, that was actually a sidetrack because it's, it wasn't germane to my point, I don't think. My point is, <laughs> um, that's okay. That's what this podcast is for. Um, <laughs> my, my point is that, like, I feel like Disney whitewashed everybody, um, you know, to some extent, and especially Disney, of course, because it's, Dis- you know, it's about Disney. I mean, Walt Disney Company, you know, the, right. D- Disney films, uh, they're not going to show Disney in a bad light. And, and I, um, I wish that maybe the film—I I wish I could have trusted it some more. I, I think that's my big dislike. Is I didn't have any problem with the characters. I didn't have any problem with the acting. I didn't even have—I I didn't have any problem with much of anything in the film, except that I just wasn't sure where I could trust it, and that's that's annoying to me.
0: Right. Well, you know, I think the biggest thing that they left out was uh, at the very end of the film, uh, at the premiere that she wasn't invited to. Um, uh, this is from wikipedia so take it with a grain of salt but of i have course. seen it elsewhere oh come on, um, come on
1: wikipedia is is the source of all knowledge my friend <laughs> oh yeah for sure
0: <laughs> but uh she reportedly approached disney and told him that the animated sequence had to go disney responded by walking away saying as he did pamela the ship has sailed um and so that that wasn't in the film of course saving not. mr banks right. and um you know the film sort of implies that she enjoyed the film at the premiere just just her reaction sure it's making her cry but i think they're sort of implying that it's a good kind of cry where she's oh, sort yeah, of revisiting definitely. revisiting her childhood um it, and that's not the case at all in fact she banned uh, any further remakes of, or any further adaptations of any of the other Mary Poppins books. And she didn't even release the rights to Broadway until a year or two before she died in the 1990s.
1: Right. And, uh, and she uh, one of the stipulations that she put on any Broadway adaptations is that they could be nothing like Mary Poppins by Disney.
0: Yeah. In, in her last will and testament, she said that the Sherman brothers could not write additional songs for the musical. Yeah. So, I mean, she she really did not like the film in any regard. She didn't care for the music. She really hated the animation. And uh, while we see a little bit of her feelings about that in the production room, we don't see her reactions to that when she watches the film itself. We just see, oh, my film is on the screen. Let me cry about my childhood because it brings back memories. Yeah. And um, so it doesn't tell the full story there at the end.
1: Yeah, and I'm given to understand that Disney never flew to London to convince her. That was, and I don't Uh, know, like, where do you where do you source this? How do you tell for sure? I'm I'm not a researcher. I don't know, but that's that's what I'm given to understand is like Disney did not fly to London to convince her to to get the rights to the film, and so that's that's like a revisionist history. Well,
0: Disney already had the rights to the film before she flew out to L.A. In reality. She went to LA, yes, in 1961, but at that point Disney already had the rights to the film.
1: And see, that's where uh the, the film the, the film also implies that or in fact it's outright she she had not granted the rights until you know she had signed off on the script and she, you know, Disney is trying to get her to sign the rights in the film. Right. So that that I guess that would be historically inaccurate.
0: Yes, but uh I mean Bummer. it happens, I guess. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, and I did enjoy the film, and I'm sure that a lot of it is is true. And obviously, we do have the recordings of her sitting with the screenwriters and, and you know and uh, bullying them, <laughs> essentially. Right. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But uh, you know, that's uh, that's that's kind of my dislike, my major dislike for the film. I don't dislike a lot else about the film, and it's a, it's a it's a it's a good film to watch. Like just taking it as a film, as a story, it works well, and and it's nice to have a a, a good film that isn't an action film. There's not a bit of action in this film. No, not at all. And that's good. I, I like it. I like a good drama.
0: Yeah, me too. And it's done very well. So,
1: well, Chad, this this plane is just about to run out of gas. So why don't you bring it in, <laughs> in for a landing for us? What what what, okay. what, are your, what are your final thoughts? What do you rate it? How do you feel about it? What what you know? Tell give us a peek inside that
0: mind of yours. <laughs> well, uh, my final rating is four and a half out of five stars. My two very minor petty complaints about uh, the casting weren't really complaints at all just i can't count a lot against this film Um, emma thompson really shines here um great performance i'm sure she'll at least get nominated well she might get nominated for best actress i don't think she'll win it but um she's certainly deserving um
1: yeah i mean it's a good performance i don't even think i would like if i were voting i might nominate her but i certainly wouldn't i don't think i'd vote for her for best best actress but she certainly deserves a nomination for sure i I mean it was very good yeah,
0: um, I agree. So those are my th- my thoughts. I, I it's a great film. Uh, I can't imagine people walking away and not enjoying it in some respect, unless you're just incredibly knowledgeable on in the making of Mary Poppins and how things really went down. So I mean, <laughs> if that's you out there, listener, then I'm sorry, you might not enjoy this film.
1: Yeah, and write write us an email. <laughs> send, send us a, send us a note. Let us know about it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I feel pretty much the same way. I, I only give it four stars out of five. Uh, four Uh, and a half is a pretty high mark for me. So four is not right. a bad mark by any means. And I, I enjoyed the film. I enjoyed my time at the theater. It was well worth it. I would I would recommend it to anybody. I would just say be aware, you know, like with any docudrama um, of this nature, and especially put out by Disney about a film that Disney made about, you know, Disney himself. Just be aware that there's some inaccuracies in this thing. Uh, and it's it's a little bit revisionist in a couple of places, but you know it was fun, it was enjoyable, and I I feel like, uh, and I wish I could verify this for you, but I can't. it's just not what I do, but I feel like the the stuff about P.L. Travers' history, you know, with her dad, I feel like that was probably pretty accurate. Yeah. So although, no. I, oh, I, I forgot to mention, I thought it was a little bit weird to, to to hear that character in her past saying, you know, spit spot and and, and stuff that Mary Poppins would say. It was Uh just a little strange. It almost felt because I've only been familiar with Mary Poppins. It felt like it was a parody. (laughs) When in reality, it's probably what really happened. But
0: you know, know, um, I think to the film's credit, if anything, it has made me interested in learning more about the making of Mary Poppins, going out and finding a more uh, credible credible uh, source and finding out what really happened. So I mean, you could say that it's made me interested in finding the truth, whether this was the truth or. Close to the truth or not close to the truth or whatever. Um, I'm interested in learning more, so that's cool.
1: Yeah, and I I might be too if I ever have the time. I I don't know if I'm that interested, but I I mean I'm always interested in in picking up the little tidbits and stuff, and I'm interested in in watching films. I I wish somebody would make a a better docudrama about it, but it's never going to happen, so this is what we've got, and uh, it's enjoyable. I enjoyed it. Bottom line, go see it. It's worth it. No, no, yeah. we're we're late getting this out because of Christmas happened and everything, but uh, it's still in the theaters. So get out there and see it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, next week we're going to return to the land of new films, uh, where Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit comes out this weekend, and, and you know I'm expecting it to be bad, but I'm ex- I'm, I'm I'm kind of excited about it because I can't help it. I'm a big fan of of Jack Ryan's previous films, and you know the previous Jack Ryan films is what I'm trying to say. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, I, I hope it'll be good. What do you think? You think it's going to be any good?
0: I will see. To be honest, I haven't seen any Jack Ryan films, so I what don't have. What is wrong with you? I just got one for Christmas. I think which one? So Patriot Games.
1: Okay, it's pretty good. It's not yeah, bad. So uh, I, I'll, all the Tom Ford, uh, Tom Ford, Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford. <laughs> Tom Clancy, Tom Harrison Clancy Ford, whatever. Harrison. I got it. Um, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, all the Harrison <laughs> Ford, uh, I should say. All both of them are a little slow moving, but they're 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 good films. Not okay. my, not my. I mean, the, those two, the two Harrison Ford films in the in the series are the lesser of the of any of them in the series. I, I, I guess my favorite would be The Hunt for Red October, and then my second favorite would be The Sum of All Fears with Ben Affleck and Morgan Freeman. But okay. I mean, I'm not saying I dislike Harrison Ford's uh, Jack Ryan films. So anyway, that's what we'll be talking about next week is Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit. So head out to the theater this weekend and watch up and be prepared. For a good thrashing of that film next week, that's what I'm expecting. That's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting it to be a two star film. Some lampooning, or do we not do that anymore? Oh no, we totally do that. (laughs) Totally. Is that is that not in the show opener anymore? I rewrote the show opener. Oh, it's not. Oh, okay. I noticed. Yeah. We
0: don't we don't lampoon. Well,
1: I I think what I was thinking is I want to like films. That's what that's why I do. I talk about films. I want to like them, and so I didn't know if I wanted lampoon in the show opener anymore. That's fair, but but yeah, we will certainly do it when it's required and I feel <laughs> like I just watching the trailers and seeing what they've done with my beloved Jack Ryan character <laughs> I feel like it's going to be a two star film so two
0: stars you heard it here first
1: yeah we'll see we'll see we'll see <laughs> well, that's all we've got for this week chad where where may people uh keep up with your uh wanderings and thoughts and meandering and and, and you know your your general stream of consciousness where can they do that
0: <laughs> people may do that at chadlikesmovies.com that is my personal film site um, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Chad Hopkins, and on Twitter at twitter.com slash chadadada chadadada chadadada
1: uh yes and uh you, you... <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at a much easier to remember Twitter handle. That's TJ Draper Pro. The only reason it's not easier is because somebody's squatting on the name I really want. So TJ Draper Pro, uh, he's such a fake. You, you don't don't follow him. You you <laughs> he's can not find. Yeah, huh? he is not a pro. And so find me at TJ Draper Pro. Uh, it's where I, I tweet about all manner of things, including my thoughts on films as I watch them and things. And uh, you can also keep up with my writing and my work on moviebite.com. Uh, I write a little something every day. I, I try to write re- – uh, my goal this year is to write one review a week at the very least. And we'll see. That's probably not going to happen, but I'm going to try to do that. So I write reviews of movies and all kinds of manner of things out there at moviebyte.com. I keep you up to date with the latest. So be sure to check that out. You can find the show notes for this episode at moviebyte.com slash podcast slash 75. If you've, if you've uh, downloaded this via iTunes and you're wondering what the heck these show notes we keep talking about are, that's where you'll find them. Uh, and so you'll want to go there and check that out. Uh, be sure to, to drop by the iTunes store, uh, the iTunes podcast directory. If you haven't already and give us a rating, we would love that. We want to engage more people in the conversation. And if you want to get in contact with us, go to moviebite.com slash contact and drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to interact with you. We have comments on this episode as well. If you want to go to that URL I just mentioned and, and, uh, comment there and interact with us that way. So lots of ways you can get in touch with us. Lots of ways you can help us. And uh, all that good stuff. And uh, get ready next 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 week. I feel like is an epic, uh, epic lampooning. I I, I can just feel it coming. (laughs) Well, that's it for us this week. We're out of here. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time.
0: Bye, everybody.